This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This is an apostrophe podcast production. Here's one little question that has no simple answer. How does being alone bring us closer? My name is Peg Fong. I'm a journalist and an educator. Come join me as we explore loneliness together. If you're a fan of the Emmy Award-winning comedy Schitt's Creek, you may have also heard of Green Acres, a series from CBS which ran for six seasons from 1965 until 1971. Both shows depict a similar premise. City slickers used to the convenience of urban life arrive in their new home in a rural setting. In Green Acres, an upper-crust New York attorney played by Eddie Albert and his wife, Eva Gabor, whose character is a glamorous Hungarian aristocrat, completely changed their lives with a move to Hooterville. Oliver Wendell Douglas, Eddie Albert's character, believes farm living is the life for him, where there's land spreading out so far and wide. Keep Manhattan, give him some countryside. In Schitt's Creek, the Rose family, whose wealth was founded on video stores with the patriarch Johnny Rose and his wife Moira, a soap opera star, lose all their assets in episode one. They're forced to relocate 
from their opulent mansion to two rooms in a motel in a small town, which Johnny, played by Eugene Levy, had purchased for his son David as a joke years ago. The town's name, Schitt's Creek. The depiction of the small towns, Hooterville and Schitt's Creek, are communities where the new arrivals have to change who they are and what they believe in in order to fit in. And the reason why they want to fit in and be part of their new rural life is a lesson they learn gradually over time, after many mishaps played for laughs. The co-creator of Schitt's Creek, Dan Levy, who plays the spoiled yet big-hearted son David, wrote a column a few years before the show was created about his loneliness. He had just moved to Los Angeles to start his career and had to make new friends, grocery shop for just one, and drive himself to the airport. Being social was an act that was new for him, Dan Levy wrote. Take that sense of dislocation and sprinkle it with a dose of bachelordom, and you've got yourself a recipe for a few lonely nights, he wrote. It wasn't a big deal, he believed, but he did recognize that being on your own from a cultural standpoint fell into two categories. Being alone was either glamorized like it was in Sex and the City or looked down upon and thought of as sad or scary. The characters Dan Levy created in Schitt's Creek get their happy ending after 80 episodes. Some leave Schitt's Creek to move to New York or California, and some stay on in the town. But what was found in each of the characters was the knowledge, when everyone knows who you are in a small town, you're never alone. When his neighbors, his constituents, went into lockdown in the town of Wilmar, Minnesota, Mayor Marv Calvin noticed the isolation had the most damage in three places. There were people, elderly relatives and friends and others, living in assisted facilities in his community. His grandchildren were not in schools and had to attend classes online. And because he is Wilmar's mayor, He saw what was happening in grocery stores, in coffee shops, and on the streets. You would see that people really were longing for a connection that they weren't having. And a lot of people would tell me, I really miss seeing somebody. And so it was just kind of through those observations in those three separate spaces that I really noticed that this loneliness was really a real struggle for a lot of people. It's different in a small town, Mayor Marv says. The population in Wilmar is 21,000 people. In a smaller community, people are more connected. They're more used to walking over and talking to their neighbor or having a cup of coffee down at the local coffee shop or uh, going out for lunch or just meeting somebody at the park. And so I think that the connectedness in a rural community is much different than it is in a larger community. In bigger communities, cities, people go to work, maybe to church, to their kids' school functions, or to parks or soccer fields. But other than that, they stay to themselves. But out in rural America, out in rural Minnesota, people thrive on the fact that they can get together and have conversation and get together and be together. And that was really lost. And that really was a catalyst to the 
crisis of loneliness that we really saw in our community. Mayor Marv and other leaders in the community recognized the new reality in Wilmar was different. Residents who had been used to always having someone nearby who they could talk to, do things with, had suddenly been left on their own. Move to a new city, as Dan Levy, the creator of Schitt's Creek, did, and you start with having to do things on your own. But what Mayor Marv and others discovered during the pandemic was how unusual it was for people in their community to be alone. Residents weren't used to being on their own, and they had to figure out how to get accustomed to not being able to go out for coffee or just head over to their neighbor's home. Being forced to be alone is different because of lockdowns, and it's not easy for some people. In Wilmar, the pandemic highlighted a need that was already under the surface. Fortunately for this town, changing demographics and shifting political points of views had already been tackled within the community. It began even before COVID-19 took over the way people interacted in a town where everyone knows each other and personal relationships are unavoidable. There's something special happening in this Minnesota town, and it's not just there. Throughout the Midwestern U.S., diversification is happening faster than anywhere else. Numbers released from the 2020 U.S. Census showed that the non-Hispanic white population for the first time in American history has declined. Nowhere is the diversification of the population more noticeable than in the Midwest and places outside of the major urban areas. The reason many people move into rural settings and out of large metropolitan areas is different from what we saw in fictional depictions on Green Acres and Schitt's Creek. It's not the rich and the bored who are moving into smaller towns, but working people who are going into jobs in meat processing, manufacturing, and agriculture, many of them immigrants. Wilmar is a textbook case. Predominantly founded by white Scandinavian settlers who were Lutherans, Wilmer's diversification changed with the opening of a meatpacking plant, and then through word of mouth. Refugees from Somalia, and then from Myanmar and parts of Thailand, learned through their networks about jobs in Wilmar. Minnesota now has the largest population of Karen and Somali refugees in the world, outside of their displaced countries. In Wilmar, everyone is learning about new ways to connect with each other. Mayor Marv Calvin sees himself in the more recent arrivals in Wilmar, and they recognize themselves in their new home. I was born and lived in a Scandinavian home. My desire was to have it so that once I became married and had children, I wanted my children to have it better than I have and that is no different than the East African population or the Karen people who are now, have now come to Wilmer, the Latino people that have been in Wilmer since the early 90s, and the Scandinavian people. They all want a better life for themselves and their families. Over the last few years, the number of people who came and made their lives and livelihood in Wilmar went from 200 at first to more than 3,000. They're now about 15% of the town's population. And from the more recent arrivals into town, everyone is learning new ways of connecting, Mayor Marv says. 
During the pandemic and isolation, he saw a shift. People stuck inside began noticing what their neighbors were doing. A group of men, former residents of East Africa, who had settled and found work and opened businesses in Wilmar, were always getting together downtown and spending hours just sitting around or sometimes standing and chatting with each other. It was a habit they had begun before the pandemic. Our Scandinavian men would see them sitting and visiting and going, hey, I would kind of like to have that connection. And so I think some of that happened just by that observing another culture where it was a culture that is more in tune with having those conversations and that made that happen. But I think you really have to be intentional. I mean, you can't just be... We'll be right back. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. I grew up not even in a town. I grew up outside of a very small town. And so I have some understanding of what that's like to live literally in isolation where you you don't see neighbors and you have to drive to get anywhere. And so for me, studying rural health and studying social isolation and social connectedness in rural places is very personal. Professor Henning Smith, who teaches at the Rural Health Research Center at the University of Minnesota, says there's a direct link to our sense of belonging to the places where we live. I appreciate 
how important our mental health is to everything about our functioning, about our physical health. And I think key to both our physical and mental health is our sense of social connectedness and living in relationships with other people. Health outcomes are worse in rural places, higher suicide rates due to more firearms and chronic illnesses that are often not treated. There are more restrictions to health care, access to transportation. It's particularly devastating for older populations. But it's not just limited to older generations. Early on in the pandemic, in the spring of 2020, some of the hot spots were seen in rural areas where meatpacking plants were located. Unlike jobs that could be done remotely and online, Carrie Henning-Smith notes that many production facilities, distribution warehouses, and food supply operations were in places where the pay is low in comparison to tech jobs or office jobs. Those minimum wages didn't allow workers to have the luxury of being in additional living spaces to quarantine themselves. In rural parts of countries, from the U.S. to Canada, to Europe, Asia, Africa, and South America, a global consistency is a digital divide. Internet and access to broadband is a given in cities wherever you are. But even in G7 countries like Canada, the UK, and America, Wi-Fi is spotty and unreliable in rural isolated places outside the urban environment. When we were asking people to stay home, to stay safe, and for very good reason, we were asking people not to physically come together. You had people who didn't live close to neighbors, who might have underlying health conditions that put them in a risky situation, but that didn't have good options for socializing online if they wanted to do that, or for ordering groceries to be delivered. Those things are really a luxury that some of us take for granted. Without access to online socializing or online services, which include food and health care, residents in rural communities had limited options. Their isolation was made more severe and more dangerous because they had an impossible choice to make, meeting their daily needs and their social needs, or putting their health at risk. The lack of access and the digital divide between urban and rural places isn't the only separation that is creating increased loneliness in smaller communities, says Carrie Henning-Smith. We have seen a growing divide in, in whether or not we trust one another. Political divisiveness has really come in. And I've heard stories from small towns that might have one coffee shop or one diner And all of a sudden, if you voted one way, you're no longer feeling welcomed at that coffee shop or that diner or certain topics of conversation are not safe. So I think culturally, we have become a little bit more divided or we are just in a particularly divided moment right now. And then I think you also can't talk about what's changed in the way we relate to one another without talking about technology. I think that's just a big piece of it. Technology has done so much to help us connect with one another. Here we are talking virtually. That's wonderful. And I think social media is a nice way to reconnect with people or to form new relationships and connect with people. But we also know that the flip side of technology is that 
it can lead people to silo themselves or not need to leave your house for various reasons, or in some cases behave poorly, unfortunately. And I think all of that can fracture some of our sense of belonging to one another and some of our sense of relationships. And so I think those have both changed a lot since I was a kid outside of a small town. People living in small towns being divided is not new. We can look back in human history, and there are countless examples of residents being split over issues, big and small. We've all heard of people or entire cultures treating others terribly and without understanding. But what Carrie Henning-Smith and Mayor Marv in Wilmar believe is that while divisiveness and isolation, neither of which are unique to small towns, the addition of technology has changed how residents are connecting to beliefs and disconnecting with each other. Algorithms split people up, keep them in silos, and drive us further apart in real life from each other, when it's easy to go online and have relationships only with people we have similar things in common with. What's caused this? It's something most of us do and use without thinking about it. It's just become part of our everyday life. Social media has created a new moment in isolation and divisiveness, and it's especially pronounced in smaller communities, heightened by the pandemic and tragedies like the murder of George Floyd. In Wilmar, Mayor Marr said the isolation created by political divisiveness was recognized early as something that required a response from the entire community. Two hours away from Wilmar, the murder of George Floyd in May 2020 in Minneapolis by police opened up a divide that surprised Mayor Marv. The town put out an anti-racism statement, but to his distress, a small subgroup of residents argued that the community shouldn't have done that. This vocal but minority group were using Facebook and other platforms to make their views known. Well, what we found by having all of this isolation and this wanting to connect is we had a subgroup that worked off of that, that worked on the negative side of it, that worked on the side of, you know, this is anti-American, you are doing this to discriminate against people, and by making this anti-racism statement, what you're really being is racist yourself. And it really took a twist that we really didn't expect as leaders of our community. What he began seeing during the pandemic and after the killing of George Floyd, said Mayor Marv, was people with views that were no longer acceptable were going only on social media to connect with others. I saw the division growing deeper simply because there was a platform for people to be able to say, I can do this on Facebook. I can do this on some type of social media platform. I can do this and be anonymous, if you will, behind the name, which actually may be my name, but it's not the same as talking to somebody face to face. I think a lot of those conversations that happened on Facebook, the other social media pieces would not have happened had we had the connection that we would have had absent the pandemic absent the fear of loneliness. Those conversations some people in the community were having online through social media only was because they were aware that others in Wilmar had already denounced those viewpoints. 
those online conversations were occurring because of the isolation of feeling disconnected. It allowed people to compartmentalize and say, okay, if you don't agree with what happened there, you can be in my camp and you can be over here. If you agree with what happened there, then you're over in this camp. And so I think it really solidified that division, if you will, within the community. Mayor Marv said he didn't want those residents to turn to another community who reinforced their beliefs, egged them on, or convinced them that they were right. But he wanted them to know they were still part of Wilmar, even if their positions weren't acceptable. Just recently, at the local county fair, someone showed up with a Confederate flag on their vehicle. There was huge community outrage against the individual. Even the sheriff was called. The entire community condemned the flag's appearance and convinced the vehicle owner to remove it. And I think that in absence of George Floyd, in absence of the pandemic, in absence of our anti-racism statement, I'm not sure everybody would have came out as strong. So there was a unifying piece that if something's not right, we're going to stand up to it and say, no, that's not right. pre-pandemic in smaller towns was an ingrained sense of community. Residents would see each other all the time. They would go to each other's homes, or they may run into someone they knew at the local store and go for lunch, or get caught up by grabbing a coffee. Small towns are social places. As Mayor Marr says, people don't move to small towns to stay alone or be by themselves. They come seeking to be part of a community. In Wilmar, Minnesota, the pandemic changed the sense of community. People had to intentionally find ways to connect. Isolation and quarantines forced a reassessment of how residents got together. Everyone from cities to rural areas had to rely on online connections, even if, in many places, the internet is unreliable. For people who live in smaller towns, going online became a necessity for healthcare and for social communication. Another change, people who thought or believed in things differently than what their neighbors thought could find others online with the same beliefs. At first, they found a community of others they could agree with, but then social media began to divide people. Mayor Marr says the community had to seek solutions to disconnect people from only seeking connections with others through Facebook or other social media tools. It's easy to think you don't fit in if you think differently. In TV shows like Green Acres and Schitt's Creek, city dwellers learn what being part of a community in a small town is like, and it doesn't take long for them to overcome their prejudices about rural town folk. In the town of Wilmar, newcomers from around the world and people whose grandparents and great-grandparents have all lived there find they have an equal spot at a place everyone knows, the Goodness Coffee Shop downtown. People say, let's meet at the Goodness. You'll find Mayor Marv there a lot at a spot called the Community Table. You're welcome at that table, no matter what you believe. But Mayor Marv will tell you, racism has no place in Wilmar, 
and be a good neighbor because you are part of the community. Being alone is something we get used to, especially if we move to a strange environment where it seems everyone knows each other and their history and customs are grounded in the soil of a place. But fresh growth can happen even in places where roots are deep. We are all new arrivals at one point in our lives, and we all know the loneliness of what it's like to be from somewhere else and have to find our community, whether it's Hooterville, Wilmar, Los Angeles, or Schitt's Creek. We may be alone, but we are alone together. Alone Together was directed by Callie O'Reilly. Sound engineer, Jeff Devine. Theme music is by Ari Posner and Ian Lefevre. Producers, Allison Pinches, Guillermo Serrano, and Debbie O'Reilly. I'm the host and writer, Peg Fong. Do you remember the theme song for Green Acres? It's been called one of the best theme songs of all time, and it started a trend of lead actors singing their own theme songs. Eddie Albert and Eva Gabor did it first, but Lee Majors and Will Smith followed suit. Green Acres is the place to be. But if you want to be following us, you can find us on social at Apostrophe Pod. Subscribe and give us a review wherever you get your pods. The executive producer is Terry O'Reilly. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.